0: Good morning. Well, it's good to be with you after a little quick week off for some staycation. Um, we're, we're finishing up this August teaching series here of That's in the Bible with a question that, that came in wanting more understanding of two specific passages. And, and the question was, was built around how some modern thinkers use these passages. And those two passages that, were, that raised the questions were, were Matthew thirteen twelve. Which we heard, we'll hear that again in a second. And then Matthew 25, 29. And and the question was built around this that that there are there are people out there who who use these passages in discussion to the Pareto principle. Now, what is the the Pareto principle? Uh, The Pareto principle is that whole 80% to 20% ratio, okay, uh, it states that, that for many outcomes, roughly 80% of consequences come from 20% of causes, right? So 80% of the work in the church is done by 20% of the people. You ever heard that? Okay, that's, that's, what, that's what we hear all the time in the church work world. Um, and 80% of the don- donations come from 20% of the donors, or as the question addressed in the, in the email to me is, is, is Jesus speaking here this idea uh, around that the poor have always and will always exist? That was part of the question. And, and the easy answer is yes. The poor have always existed and they, yes, they will always exist. You know why? Because of sin. Be, be, because of sin, there will always be poor, there will always be income disparity. But these verses themselves do not teach the Pareto Principle. These verses teach us a powerful message, though. So we're going to start in Matthew 13, 12. And if you were just to open up your Bible and and you were to read this verse, your translation may read this way. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now, some would and do use this as an argument for the Pareto Principle. But the problem is, this does not fit in with the context of what Jesus is speaking about. This is a classic example of what we call proof texting. You find a verse of Scripture, and you stick it in, and then you explain it however you want to make it work. But you can't do that. We have to allow scripture to interpret scripture. We have to allow this verse to be read in conjunction with the rest of the verses around it so we can gain a greater understanding of what Jesus is saying. So, when you go back to the start of chapter 13 in this text, we see Jesus teaching using parables. And this is the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower has absolutely nothing to do about money. And it has everything to do with sowing the seed, spreading the good news, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus has just finished sharing that the seed that is sown sometimes falls on different types of soil, right? So, so the truth of, of his word will not necessarily take root or make deep roots in all people. Some it will, others it won't. So, so now that we understand the context of what Jesus is, is speaking to, we come to verse 12. But before we get to verse 12, we've got to look back at verse 10. So I want to read this for us again here. Matthew 13, beginning with verse 10. It says this, And then he goes on to say, this is why I speak to them in parables. So, so Jesus, excuse me, so the disciples are asking why Jesus speaks in parable. And he says to the disciples, to his students, right, to you has been given the secrets of the kingdom, but to them it has not been given. So, so what does this mean? We, we need to understand Jesus' words here. What Jesus is doing is he's stressing that when anyone gets Jesus, let's put that in quotation, when anyone gets Jesus, that is, they begin to believe in him and to, to follow him as his disciple. This only happens because of the work of the Father. The disciples have seen, they have heard, they now have believed in Jesus, and so they are blessed. Blessed. Blessed with what? The secrets of the kingdom of heaven. It's nothing to do with money. This is all about the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But those who don't want it, and those who these blessings don't take root, they don't know. And verse 12, For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Jesus is saying, friends, here, those who have listened to the teachings, those who have come to believe, guess what will be given? More understanding. More understanding of what God has done for them. They will have an abundance of knowledge. Not to hold on to. No, they will have an abundance of knowledge that that God blesses them with to do what? To share. To, To take with them. But to those who will not listen, those who are not willing to listen, to those who do not believe, what little understanding they have will be what? Be lost. It will be lost. Those who oppose Jesus would lose what little knowledge they have of his blessings. Without God revealing to the disciples, without the Holy Spirit working in our hearts and revealing who Jesus is to us, things go from bad to worse. But because God has gifted us with the knowledge of who He is, because God has gifted us with the knowledge of what He has done, because He has created this faith in us, in our hearts, we can increase in our understanding. And our fruitfulness for the sake of Jesus. So the one who has understanding by the work of the Holy Spirit, more understanding will be given. They will grow in their faith. And they'll have the chance to use it, to put it into action for Jesus' sake. Those who reject Jesus... Those who reject his gospel truth, the hardness of their hearts drives away even the little understanding that they have. That's that's what that verse is really about. But now, this this text allows me to somehow try to connect these two, because... um, They said both Matthew 13, 12, the question was Matthew 13, 12, and Matthew 25, 29, somehow uh, are this this Pareto principle. So this is where my my work got really hard, trying to connect these two together. But but now that we understand a little bit more that that Matthew 13, 12 is talking about faith, the abundance of faith that, that God has given to us, I think we can move into Matthew 25. Okay? So Matthew 25, verse 29. Matthew 25, verse 29 says this, For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Now we are talking about money. All right? Now now, now there is money being talked about here. But once again, we have Jesus teaching in parables. This parable comes near the end of his life. All right, so so Jesus is teaching about the end days, the the final days, and the importance of using everything entrusted to us in such a way that it benefits God's kingdom. That's what this whole parable is about. But how is this possible? How is it possible for, for us as disciples of today to use everything that God gives us with to the benefit of his kingdom? It's only through the growth of God's word, where? In our hearts, right? Where the seed takes root, and it grows deeper and deeper. So let's understand this in conjunction with um, this parable here. So we're going to look at the entire parable of this one. Matthew 25, verses 14 and 15 is where we're going to start. Matthew 25, verses 14 and 15. Jesus says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. As Haley said, uh, talents here is referring to money. This this is referring to, 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 to money here. It's a monetary unit. Now, a a talent is not a small amount of money. A denarius equals one day's wage. Okay? A silver talent was worth 7,300 denarii. So 7,300 days of work is what one talent was equal. And if it was a golden talent, it was worth 30 times more than that. So we're talking about some sizable amounts of money entrusted to these servants. To one he gave five, another two, and the other he gave one based on their ability. So that just says each of these servants brings different gifts and abilities to the table. Each gifted by God in unique ways. And so he blesses his people with his money, right? Let's sit there a a, a bit. The master gives what is his. He gives what is his to his servants, and he entrusts them to use it wisely until he comes back. Jesus is the master, friends. Jesus is the master in this parable, and we are his servants. We are are his disciples, entrusted with his talents, with his monies. That's right, it's not our money. It's God's. It's God's that he has entrusted to us for a very small amount of time in the grander scheme of time. God is asking us to manage what he gives us. He is trusting us. He is trusting us that, that we will use it in such a way that it will benefit who? Him. And his kingdom. So, now here, Jesus shows us how this plays out in the parable. But, but before we get there, we've got to remind ourselves of on something. Many people have been blessed, and they've been blessed by God, greater than other people have been blessed by God. That doesn't mean those who don't have as many blessings from God are, are less loved by God. Okay, that's just not true. We're all loved by God the same. They just don't have the same amount of talents, the same amount of monies that God has given to many others. So then, what does that mean for for those who have been blessed with more? Well, here again, we see a connection back to Matthew 13, right? Where where we see the, the Holy Spirit at work in the seed that was sown, And as it goes into the ground, as it digs deeper into the heart, faith grows. So those who have been blessed with more have this opportunity to grow in that faith. We know where the gifts have come from. And and we're able to grow in knowing how God intends for us to use those gifts, those blessings that he has loaned to us, to others, for a time. So then that brings us to the servants and what they received. 25, verses 16 and 17. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So he also had the two talents made two talents more. They did exactly what was asked of them. The master trusted them to use their abilities to take care of his gift, and they did just that. The one who received five talents, he doubled it. Same thing with the fellow who received two talents. Not much as the other guy, but he too did exactly with his master's money what he was supposed to do, that he was entrusted with. And he doubled the return. But then in verse 18, we see the third servant blessed with one talent. Understand that. He is blessed with one talent what did he do? Buried it. He stuck it in the ground and learned a lesson. Money doesn't grow into trees. No, he, he buried it. He didn't want to lose it, so he didn't put any sort of productive use to it for the master. He didn't use what the master gave him wisely. So how did that play out for everybody? And this is where the parable gets really good and and very interesting. We see how this worked out for all the servants when the master now returns home from his long journey. Right? This is about Jesus coming back. Remember, this is Jesus' final days. Jesus coming back again. So we pick it up there in verse 19, Matthew 25, verse 19. It says this. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. The master is, is back and he, he wants a report on, on how each of the servants did with what was entrusted to them. So those first two servants, they joyfully report back that, that they have doubled what they received. The one went from five to ten, the other from two to four. Awesome, well done, good and faithful servants. You've been faithful over over a little, so I will set you over much. They didn't try to take any for themselves. Notice that. They didn't try to take any for themselves. They joyfully turned it all back over to the master who rewarded them with more. They both received more to manage. Friends, here we see a most generous and gracious master. It was his grace, his generosity in the first place that he gave anything to these servants to begin with. And now in his generosity, he's set them both over what? More. He blessed them with more. And that's not even the best part. We in America think that's the best part. But that's not the best part. The master said there to them, enter into the joy of your master. Wow. What a a privilege for these servants to not only have... the the ability to to be over so much, but more so to be set in the presence of their Lord. There is no jealousy seen here between 10 and 5, or 10 and 4. Same rewards for both of them. Same grace, same generosity, same blessing of being in the presence of their master. Now, you have the servant who received one talent, right? The blessing of, of one talent. This guy took a different approach. We know that. So let's see what happens to him. 25, um, 24 to 27. It says this. He also had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. He had been blessed with a talent. He had been blessed with money that that he had no right to in the first place. But the master gave it to him, so he returns it and says, Dude, I knew you to be cruel. I knew you to be demanding. I I knew you to, to, to be this way. So I hid it. He's laying the blame back on the master, on the one that had given him the gift in the very first place. His own misuse of the money entrusted to him, he's saying, It's your fault. Because you are hard, because you reap where you do not sow, because you gather where you don't plant any seed. Yeah, I just went and buried your generous gift of 7,300 denarii in the ground that you entrusted me with. Now you can have back what is yours. It's quite a different approach. All given gifts and quite the different response. And there is no sympathy from the master here. Look at these next verses, 28 and 29. It says, So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to, everyone ha- for to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. The servant lost what was given to him, and it was given to the ten Not because the master is mean, but because of what the servant did with what happened. And it gets worse for him. Not only did he lose everything, look at verse 30. Cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This, friends, is a description of hell. This is a description of hell as a place of torment and eternal regret. You often miss that part. Eternal regret. So is, is the Lord, is the master being mean here? Is, is the Lord holding people down? No. Not at all. God does not pick out certain people and hold them back. The seed is sown. It falls on different types of soil. Some it takes roots and it multiplies. Sometimes it just makes shallow roots. And some never takes. Some never believe. Some never see the gift that they have been given as a gift from God. And then therefore don't use it for his benefit. You see, friends, when it comes to the blessings we have been given, our relationship to God and the world is one of stewardship. Stewardship, right? Understanding this is is this ethical value that embodies responsible planning and management of resources that God has given to us. Do we deserve them? Nope. But He gives them to us. And so we are to use everything entrusted to us in such a way that it will benefit Him, that it will benefit His kingdom. So what matters not is is not how much we've been entrusted with in comparison to others, but rather that we are faithful with what we have been blessed with, that we have been entrusted with. So what about when we don't use it to his glory? What about when we are selfish and we use things for our own good? What about when we make money our God? There is forgiveness. There is forgiveness from God through Jesus Christ right to you and me. And because of that, there is no need to be afraid. We have no need to fear because Jesus has gone before us. He's done the hard work. The greatest reward is already ours. What did he say? He said, enter into the joy of your master. God has redeemed you. He's redeemed me in Christ to live under him in his kingdom and serve him. The precious blood of Jesus has purchased and won us from all sin, from death, and from the devil. The cleansing waters of holy baptism bring us into this amazing gift that God has given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as that Holy Spirit lives inside us and grows deeper inside us, it moves us to live and work for His kingdom. Daily, God gives us grace upon grace. You see, today we see that no matter what we have, God intends or what He's given to us, for us to invest it in Him. He challenges us to see that, that when we invest in him and his kingdom, he gets the glory and we get the continued blessings both here and in heaven. This is difficult stuff. i wrestled with this a lot. I have this prayer to End us on this day, and we'll be getting out of here. I invite you to pray with me. Father, we are blessed that you have given us the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that has given us eyes to see and ears to hear. Help us never take for granted the spiritual blessings you have granted. Help us never take for granted the material blessings you have granted. In your word, you show us we have everything we need in your son, Jesus. By your grace, help us to grow in our understanding of you and your love and then share that same love with others through the gifts you have blessed us with. Give us faithful hearts, a likeness to you, that each day from now on, we may see some work of love begun some deed of kindness done, some wanderer pursued and won for you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.